Do you believe that God knows your name? Do, I mean, do you really believe that? You know, I like to emphasize that. I like to, to, um, to really point out how much God cares about us. There's a passage somewhere in the Old Testament, maybe Isaiah, where the Bible says that he has written us on the palm of his hand. There's you some homework. Go home, look that passage up. How much does God love you? Well, he loves you so much, he's written you your name in the palm of the You know what? If God had a wallet, he'd have your picture in there. That's how he feels about you. Say amen. You know, the, the Bible says that the Old Testament <clears throat> was written for our learning. We can read the Old Testament and we can learn. You know, you can read in the Old Testament about Joshua. Joshua walked around the walls of Jericho. He walked around it seven times, and the Bible says that the wall fell down flat. That was written and placed in the Old Testament so that we might be able to learn from that. I think what we can learn from that is that from time to time, we we have walls and we have struggles and obstacles in our life, and those are big and they are hard, but they're not bigger than God. I think you can learn a lot from this people, the Old Testament people, uh, the Israelites, as you watch them come out of Egypt, you watch them as they take the blood of the lamb and they put it on the doorpost. We can learn from that because that speaks of Jesus and the cross and how they walk out of bondage and how they walk under that blood and they walk through the Red Sea. And we watch how, how Jesus, um, uh, how God meets every need that they have. They had a need for water. God met it. They had a need for food. God met it. He gave them a pillar of fire at night. He gave them a, a cloud during the day. They came right up to the edge of the promised land. They got to the one-yard line. They were there. Numbers chapter number 13, Moses chose out 12 spies, sent them into the land. Ten of them came back with a bad report. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. There are giants in the land. This morning I'm going to preach on heaven. They were getting ready to enter into the Canaan land. Let me tell you something. Canaan, the land of promise, that's not heaven. That's a great place to be, and you can dwell there in the earth, but, but this place called Canaan is not heaven because there's giants, there's troubles, and there's heartache inside the land. When you get to heaven, there's none of that there. But these people reached the one-yard line, and the, and, and the Bible says, I'm going to ask you a question, and everybody say murmured. When they got to the, the, the Numbers chapter number 14, the bad report came back from the spies. All night long, the people of God, they did what? They complained. They were Coveting. We took that one Hebrew word, the one Hebrew word, her one Hebrew word murmured, and we came up with five of these attitudes. In 2006, 2007, I preached a series of sermons. I preached 12 weeks, or 10 weeks. No, maybe probably 12 weeks on, 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 on Lord, change my attitude. I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be a. I don't want my heart to be filled with complaining. I want it to be filled with thanksgiving. Let me tell you something. If your heart's filled with thanksgiving, you cannot complain. If your heart is 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 content, you're not coveting. You're not wanting a bunch of stuff. You are blessed in the name of Jesus. If your heart is filled with love, you're not going to criticize and complain and carry on. Are you being critical this morning? Okay, you need to get a little love of Jesus in your heart and quit doing that. I'm going to wait for three more amens. I got two. <clears throat> you know what? This right here is not, I'll say that again, y'all say acne. This is not, 
It won't go away. You, the only way you can change your attitude is through the Word of God. Now watch this. Psalms 100. Psalms 100 is on the big screen. And we're going to read the first two verses. And we're going to stop. I'm going to read verse number 3. Then you guys can read verse 4 and 5. You ready? A 1, a 2, a 1, 2, 3. <clears throat> No, look at that first word, no. It's, it's the word knowledge, it, it's the word confident, it's the word, it means to, to be assured. Watch this, verse number 3 of Psalms 100. Be assured that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we, are his, uh, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Turn with me in your copy of the Word of God to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. This morning I have stacked the deck and I have brought to you on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I have brought to you one of the greatest promises ever written in the Word of God. Now you understand something. When God promises you something, that's Him signing His name. That's Him swearing that that He's going to do it. God has never ever broke one of His promises. And this morning we've discovered this promise that comes from John chapter number 14. Jesus told His disciples that do not let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in Me. Listen, I am going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Listen to this great promise. There is a promise that there is a place called heaven. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody in the room, do you have any loved ones that have already died? That's already gone on. Have you ever wondered? In the first service, nobody wondered. Have you ever wondered what's happening to those people right now? There are six stages of life. I've preached this all my life. Stage number one is life. Life takes place at conception. As soon as we have conception, we have a baby, we have life. After life, the second stage of life is death. Now, death is a tricky word for a believer. The word death in the New Testament is the Greek word thanatos, and what it means, it means means separation. What it does not mean, it does not mean non-existence. The wages of sin is, that means if I have sinned, and I have separated myself from God, and I choose not to accept the forgiveness I can get through Jesus Christ, if I choose not to, to, to ask Him to forgive me, that when I, am, when I die, I am eternally separated from Him. Man, human beings, men, women, boys, and girls, have been created in the image of God. In order to have God, you have to have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I am a man. I have been created in God's image. I have been created like Him. I am not a God, but I am like God. And the way I am like God is if I have a body, 
I have a spirit and I have a soul. When I die, and I hate using that word in the the life of a believer because it, it doesn't apply. When I die, when I... If you, whoever's going to preach my funeral, I'm going to give them clear instructions. Do not use the word death. Use the word um, promoted. Uh, Use this word. Use the word graduate. I never did graduate from a whole lot of stuff, but you use that word graduate. He has graduated onto another place because I, you know what? I'm not dead because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And once my spirit, there's the spirit, soul, body. My spirit separates itself from the body. This spirit goes to a destination. Now, there's only two destinations. There's hell and there's heaven. Now, do you go to heaven or you go to hell? Is based on the decision you make concerning Jesus Christ. Based on the choice that you made. You understand? I'm not a Calvinist. I believe I have the ability to make a decision. And I choose to follow Jesus Christ. Then I have a destination and my destination is heaven. Okay? What does that mean? When I die, that my spirit separates us from the body. We take this body, we place it in the ground. And this spirit goes to be with the Lord. Thank you for this destination. After your destination, there's Resurrection. There's going to come a time when Jesus Christ is going to return. And, 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 and when he returns, I believe graves are going to open. Bodies are going to rise. And the spirit and the, and the body is going to be rejoined again. There's going to be a time of reward. Study God's word, what, what God says about the rewarding of his saints and those that are, have gone on to, and standing in the winter circle, how God himself blesses them. There's a place, eternity. This is destination. This is, this, this is heaven this is heaven on steroids. This, this is a great place. This place is even better. So watch, we'll see what the Bible has. I ask you this question. Do you have loved ones who have gone on? Watch what the Bible says about this. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says this. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, he says, But... I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow, lest you grieve, as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with them, those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are, who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not by no means proceed, proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Look at this. Verse 13. Paul said this. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, 
I'm glad Paul put the word brethren there because he's writing to the church. He's writing to the child of God. It's so important when you're preaching, when you're teaching, when you're studying the God's word that you, dis- that you discern the context and you discern who the passage is written to. Understand this, brethren. I don't want you to be ignorant. The word ignorant means a lack of understanding or I don't know. Do you remember when Ernest T. Bass came to, to Mayberry and he wanted to, to get an education? And he told Andy Griffith that Andy Griffith, he said, I'm just uh, no account. And Andy said, no, Ernest T., you're not no account. You're just ignorant. So Ernest T. didn't understand. He didn't know what was going on. And Paul said this, I, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to understand What's happening to those people who have already died in Jesus Christ? The word ignorant is the opposite of that word that we found in uh, Psalms chapter 100, verse number 3. The word know. Paul said, don't be ignorant. Know. Be assured of. Be confident. You need to know and understand what has happened to all of these people that have gone on before you. People die... The Spirit of God that is inside you, the the Spirit that's inside you, separates itself. It goes to be with the Lord. You go to this destination. Between stage three and stage four, there is a a intermittent period. There's a a, a time when when we don't really uh, know what's going on until we open up God's Word, and the Word of God says, don't be ignorant. You need to understand. We need to find out what's happening here. We need to be assured... We need to be confident that our loved ones are in the arms of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God is so cool. Yesterday morning I was um, reading this passage and studying this passage and preparing and praying. And my cell phone rang. And my friend David Burge had called to tell me that his... Father-in-law had just went to be with the Lord. Isn't that cool? Here you are. You're, you're studying this passage about spirit leaving the body and going to be with the Lord, and all of a sudden it's happening right in front of you. Now, let me tell you what happened to Mr. Fred Jones yesterday morning around 7 a.m. His spirit left his body, and his spirit went directly to be with the Lord. There is no such thing as purgatory. There's a, there's a, there's a teaching and a, and, and, a, and a belief out there that when you die, your spirit goes to a place of purgatory and you stay in this holding tank, you stay in this area for, where, till you pay for all your sins or till you are cleansed or you've got to stay in this place of purgatory until you reach a point where you're able to receive the blessings of God. You've got to stay there till you pay for all your sin. There's a whole lot wrong with that, but let me tell you two things. Number one, You don't have the ability to pay for your own sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And what the word means is the separation. The penalty, the payment for your sin is for you to be eternally separated from God. I don't care how long you stay in purgatory. You could never pay for your own sin. Number two, Jesus Christ went to the cross died on the cross to pay for my sin. I don't have to pay for my own. Jesus already paid for them. So when I die, when my spirit leaves my body, it goes directly to be with the Lord. How do you know that? Because when Jesus was on the cross, there was two disciples or two thieves right with him. 
One of those thieves turned to him and said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and said, listen, today you shall be with me in paradise. So I believe with all my heart, all of our loved ones that have died, where the spirit has separated itself from the body, they are in the presence of the Lord. Acts chapter number 7, beginning in verse number 56, there's Stephen and he's preaching. And as he's preaching about the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit, they take him outside and they begin to stone him. Do you remember that? Stephen looked up into the heaven. You know what he did? He saw saw the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. And Stephen cried out, went in to the presence of God. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 14 says this. Verse 13 says this. Brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. It's okay to grieve, but you don't need to grieve as those who have no hope. The, 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 the word hope is number 1680. It's, it, it's a, in the Greek, it's, it means favorable or confident expectation. The word hope in the Bible does not mean wishful thinking. I wish I would get so-and-so for Christmas. That's wishful thinking. But when the Bible says this, that, 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 that there's hope, that means a, a expectation. One of these days, I hope Jesus Christ will return and receive me into himself. What that means is this. I fully expect Jesus Christ because I belong to him. I fully expect him to come and get me. So when we have loved ones that have gone on, we need to grieve, but we need to grieve knowing we need to have confidence. We need to be assured of the fact that that they are in the arms of Jesus. The word hope has to do with the unknown future. I don't know what the future holds, but praise God, I know who holds the future. And I have complete and total confidence in him that holds the future. So we need to to grieve. If you've got a loved one that has died, has gone on, passed away, whatever word you want, and you're not grieving, there's something wrong in your relationship. Might be something wrong with you. But anyway, grieving is the right thing to do. Heaven 2018, I'm preaching this sermon called Heaven 2018 because, see, this is where your loved one is now that died in Jesus Christ. There's more to come. There's this resurrection that's going to be a great moment. There's going to be a time of reward. There's going to be a time when we all entered into heaven. But, but heaven 2018 is a place of paradise. Jesus said this, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, do you think Jesus knows anything about heaven? He's the only one that has ever been there and here. And gone back. Now, 
There's been some people that says they have went there and come back and they've had this experience. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I don't much believe that. The Apostle Paul had a moment like that. And when he was caught up into the third heaven, he, called, he was brought back. But he was unable to, to talk about the things that he had seen. But Jesus was in heaven. He came to earth. And he went back and he called heaven, he called it paradise. He called it a place of happiness. Jesus said, this place, have you ever been to paradise? You haven't. No, y'all haven't, but, but I have. I, I've been there. It's called New River, Tennessee. It, 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 it's the greatest place on the face of the earth. And y'all think I'm being funny, but let me tell you something. I have the best, best memories of... You, you guys growing up here today, y'all, how many of y'all got cell phones? Don't, raise, don't lie, raise your hand. Every one of you got one. I didn't have one. How many of you got a Nintendo? Don't lie, every one of you got one. How many, you know what? I didn't have any of those things. But I was in a place of paradise. I had a creek bank. Let me tell you about this place. There was an old abandoned house in New River. And just down from this old abandoned house, we had something called a shooting match. Or in local terms, it's called a shooting match. And every weekend there was this shooting match. And at the end of the shooting match, there was all kinds of shotgun shells laying around on the ground. So when everybody left, we boys would go up to this place, to this shooting match. We would fill our pockets with those shotgun shells. Let me tell you, you take your cell phone, you can take your Nintendo. It does not compare to what I had. I had a shotgun shell. And I took, we'd take, and we would, we would put them in our pockets, and we'd go up to this abandoned house, and we'd choose up teams. We'd put one team in the house and one team outside. And we had what we called a shell fight. And we would, for hours and hours, we would just throw these shotgun shells at each other. Listen to this. I have been up there at this place. It's been 100 degrees. And I've had on a boggin and a hat and a big overcoat because when you get hit with those shells, it would hurt. <laughs> Let me tell you what that is to a, to a 12, 13-year-old boy. You know what that is? It's paradise. The only thing that this side of the mountain had on me, we could only get one channel. We got channel six. That's the only channel we got. Over here, you all got channel six, and you got channel ten. And for all you, you uppity people, y'all might have been able to get Channel 26. Watching Channel 6 every Saturday night, that's where I learned to count. You know, every Sunday morning, when you, you've heard of Lawrence Welk? I learned to count by watching one, a 1, a 2, a 1, 2, 3. But you all, y'all that could get Channel 10, what did y'all watch on Saturday night? You watched Hee Haw. And I had such a great, y'all would tell me when I would come over here to school, I could talk, y'all would talk about girls in short britches and high boots and halter tops laying around on bells of hay, and, and I longed to be able to get Channel 10. But you know what? That's the only thing that this side of the mountain had on that side of the mountain. Paradise. Paradise is a place of happiness. And Jesus said, I don't want you to be concerned about those who are asleep. Matthew, chapter number 17. Jesus, he took, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them 
upon a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared talking to him. Let me draw you the picture. Peter, James, and John, and Jesus on this mountain. And Jesus transfigures himself. I believe Jesus went into to his, his heavenly being right before their eyes. And then all of a sudden, there's Moses and there's Elijah. And notice a Mo, Moses and Elijah, they're not talking to Peter, James, and John. They're talking to him. Moses, in John, Matthew chapter number 17, Moses had been dead for 1,800 years. Elijah had been dead for about 1,600 years. Do they sound to you like they're asleep? The spirit leaves the body. The spirit goes to be with the Lord. This body sleeps. This body goes back to the ground. But that spirit is alive and well. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, talks about a great cloud of witnesses. Great cloud of witnesses. When I think about that, I wonder. I wonder if my daddy watches me preach. I can just see him looking over the balcony of heaven. Where's your tie, boy? Where's you got a tie on? But can, can you think, this... When you read Hebrews 12, it's the, the writer there who I believe is the Apostle Paul. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, let us lay aside every sin, and let us run the race that has been set before us. Paul, has, the writer of Hebrew, has, has drawn a picture of a great Roman Colosseum. And all these people, all these people that have gone on before us, they're sitting in the stands and they're cheering us on and they're saying go. And people and that's in the race, that's, that's running the race, people like me and you, maybe we might be able to say, life's not fair. And there'll be someone like Joseph can stand up and say, let me tell you something. You're right, life's not fair. Hey, you're, you're right there. My brothers, they sold me into slavery. I was accused of things I did not do. I ended up in prison. Let me tell you, life's not fair, but God's good. Somebody would say, oh, my goodness, life's hard. Oh, li-. Job, you're right. Life is hard. You won't believe all the things that's happened to me. Life is hard, but my God is faithful. Let me tell you something. These people have gone on, and they are with the Lord, and they are anything but dead, and they are not asleep. They are this morning enjoying the freshness. They're enjoying the presence of God. Heaven 2018, it's a place that is peaceful. Jesus said this. This world is full of tribulation. The word tribulation, it means anguish, it means affliction, it means burden, it means trouble, it means pain and suffering. This world is full of that. I'd like to be able to take you and show you the text messages on my phone call, on my, on my cell phone, this past week where the words cancer has appeared up on my cell phone. I'd like for you to just know of the number of times that I've been on the phone with parents whose children are struggling in school. We have 
children who are taking care of their elderly parents. This world that we live in is full of tribulation. But heaven's not. Heaven is a place that is full of peace. It's full of joy. It's full of happiness. Nobody in heaven is dreading going to work tomorrow. They're, they're peaceful. Listen to this. You know what? I could preach on this all day long. Revelation chapter number 21, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no sea. This earth that we live in is full of trouble. It's full of the first creation is all gommed up. But there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And, and Paul, uh, uh, John, the revelator, as he was riding from that Isle of Patmos, all he could see was the ocean. All he could see was the sea. And he said this. He said, there is no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Heaven is a wonderful place because of what is there. Heaven is a wonderful place because of who is there. But let me tell you some things that are not there. There is no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. There, is, there shall be no more pain. For these former things has passed away. Then... He who sat upon the throne said. Every time I read that, I like to ask a question. He who sat upon the throne said. Do you know who sits on the throne? Behold, I make all things new. You think about people in the earth. Can I have a napkin, please? Tissue. Think about all the people in the earth that are wrestling with, with bad diagnosis. I got three or four people I got to touch base with tomorrow because there has been a spot on the lung or on the kidney. In heaven, there is no cancer. In heaven, there is no divorce. All of these things, according to the Word of God, has passed away. And the one that sat upon the throne said this, I make all things new. I can't read that passage about making all things new without thinking about my daddy. When my dad died at the age of 66, he died an invalid. And as a as a boy growing up, I, I remember my dad as he, as he could walk a little bit, and, and I remember him going to a cane, and I can remember him gradually uh, getting worse and ending up in a wheelchair. My sisters and my two brothers talked about a time when, when dad played with them, and when dad had a, we played, played ball, and what a wonderful memory they had. I never saw that. I never got to experience a healthy, full-speed daddy. 
but this is a great promise. I make all things new. Man, what a great a place, this heaven 2018. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place of peace. Heaven, heaven is exciting. Why is heaven so exciting? Because the best is yet to come. They've just reached stage number three. There's still a time of resurrection. Jesus is going to return. Jesus is going to, going to re, re, pull us out of the ground. He's going to restore our, 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 I don't know what a resurrected body is going to look like, but it's, it's, it's going to be great. I know this, it'll never die. Then I know there's going to be a time when you stand before God. I call it the winner's circle. You ever watch the Kentucky Derby? And you watch how they bring that big old horse in there. And they put those, every eye in the stadium, millions of people on television are watching this horse receive its reward. Same thing's going to happen in heaven. There's going to be a time when all the saints are circled up. There's Peter and John. There's Gideon. There's all these Old Testament people. And they're going to watch me, a child of God, walk before all nations and watch Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, watch him reward me. Man, can you understand why they're excited? Can you understand? The day is still coming. And then there's going to be this time of eternity when there's going to be shouting and praising the Lord. And it's going to be, you know, this is great right here. What your family members are experiencing right now is great. But let me tell you something. This is what I call heaven on steroids. This is a wonderful, wonderful place. And somebody said to me, Pastor, do you really believe in a place called heaven? And I said, yes, I do. Let me ask you a question. Who can live in the wilderness when we know that heaven is our home? You remember the word know, K-N-O-W? It means to be confident. It means to be assured of. I am confident. I am assured of. If I were to walk out that back door, get run over by a semi-truck, I believe to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And you might read in the, in the obituary that, that, that Pastor Wayne has died. Don't you believe it? Because I'm more alive now than ever before. Why? Why, Pastor, do you have so much confidence that you're going to go to heaven? Because of a man named Jesus. Because Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, went to a place called Calvary died on the cross. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was spotless. But he went to the cross, and he took my penalty. He took my shame. He took my sin. And when I was nine years old, I confessed to him all my sin, and I asked him to save me. And when he saved me, he gave me. I didn't earn this. He gave me eternal life in a place called heaven. You know what? You can't complain and be coveting and be critical and be full of doubt and be rebellious if you really, really, really believe that Jesus is your home, that heaven is your home. Now bow your heads with me, please. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, this place... Heaven has been exclusively built for those of us who trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior.
Good news is this. I'm going to heaven. The bad news is this. Not everybody's going to heaven. Only those who trust. Only those who cast their sins upon Jesus Christ. Only those who ask God to forgive them. This morning, would you like to be confident? Would you like to be assured? Would you like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to go to heaven? Here this moment, right now, I want you to give your life to Christ. Ask him to forgive you. Just pray this prayer. Pray, dear Lord Jesus. Just pray that in your heart as I pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've come short. I've messed up. I confess that. And right now, I ask you to forgive me. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sin, the penalty of sin on Calvary. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. I want heaven to be my home. If you prayed that prayer, you asked him to save you, he did. Maybe you're here this morning, you want to join our church. Maybe it's time for you to be baptized. Maybe you just want to come and pray. This is the time of invitation. This time is short, so you need to move quickly. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your son's name I pray. Amen.